This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. In a galaxy far, far away, we'll call it ESPN. Jay Soderberg, a visionary pioneer, arose. Wielding his mighty lightsaber, he crafted an unprecedented form of fantasy football content. With his audacious imagination, he broke the traditional chains, deploying the dark force of his innovative podcast throughout the Empire. He embraced the role of Dark Lord of the Podcast Sith, forever to be known as Pod Vader, and boldly proclaimed to his ESPN podcasting peers, I am your father. Welcome to Fantasy Football Origin Stories, where each episode is a journey back in time to explore the unique experiences of some of the coolest and most influential people in the fantasy football industry. I'm your host, Arnie Chapman, also known as the Football History Dude. Now, I love fantasy football, and I want you to come along with me to explore the yesteryear of the armchair gridiron. So hop on board my DeLorean, Let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step up the DeLorean, the date is December 4th, 2019. We're sitting here listening to the latest episode of the Football History Dude podcast. It's episode 93, but it was only my sixth ever interview on the show. I had Jay Pod Vader Soderberg on to talk about the creation of podcasts at ESPN, and let's just say it's safe to say he was a major influence, including everybody over there at ESPN, to almost every person in the fantasy football industry in some way or another nowadays. Again, that's episode 93 of the Football History New Podcast to hear even more Pod Vader stories. But in this episode, we're going to take a little bit of a different turn. We're going to focus even more on fantasy football with Pod Vader's fantasy football origin story. But first, we got to get into the fantasy football history moment for this episode. It wasn't that long ago because uh, 2019, the date of the episode release, it was easier to pull up some data from then. So we're going to hop in the DeLorean. We're going to go back to September 7th when Matthew Barry's top 200 PPR list was released. Overall, I guess when you look at the results, it was pretty accurate. I mean, the top three, just just as an example, had Saquon, Zeke, and then Christian. That year, well, Christian McCaffrey blew up and way dominated everybody out there for 471 PPR points. Then Lamar Jackson had his MVP year with 416 PPR points. And Michael Thomas at number three for 375. That actually might mean something later when we talk about how things have shifted over the past four years. The second place running back was Aaron Jones at 315. So Christian had a whopping 156 more points, PPR that is, than the next running back. I mean, I wonder where he'll end up this year. He's, depending on what board you're looking at, considered possibly the top running back again. Only time will tell, and it's too early for me to give you my official rankings for the 2023 season. But just for giggles, let's look back at 2019. The top 200 list for Matthew Berry, he had eight running backs in his top 12 PPR. He only has five so far this year. Fantasy footballers only have four. Some sites even have less. So even in just four little years, it's 
crazy how things change so fast. I mean, we're talking about even quarterbacks. Of course, you had back in the day, the dinosaur guys were all like, well, let's take a whole bunch of quarterbacks in the first round because they score the most points. Then slowly it shifted to the whole late round quarterback thing where that's where you win it because you have the every waiver wire wonder kind of guy. But now it's like if you don't get the top four or five, you know, we got the, the Allens, Mahomes, the Hurts, the Lamars. Well, I mean, it depends on Lamars. I guess if you put another Burroughs, yeah, three, four, five guys. If you don't have one of those, you might be toast. But we'll see how it all goes down in 2023. And this week's guest, well, he's seen it all over the past couple of decades in podcasting. And fantasy sports podcasting is where he started. But before we get into that, if you do like this show, you got to make sure you share it with at least one person and mash that subscribe button, your podcast player of choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest out the press episodes we'll each and every week. And if you do share it with somebody, you can even send them over to fantasyfootballoriginstories.com so they can learn more. But now, let's go ahead and get in the interview with Jay Soderberg, forever to be recognized as Pod Vader. Yeah, no, I'm not into that. At um, any rate, the uh, like I said, so the first episode for the listener of the show that's hitting us up now, if you want to listen to the original interview on the Football History Dude podcast, that's over at episode 93. But without further ado, let's talk to Pod Vader about some fantasy football. Um Let's start off with what was your first just recollection or memory of like fantasy football in general, whether it was playing or even hearing about the sport? It was, uh, I know I was playing fantasy football well before I was podcasting about fantasy football. Um, cause I remember playing it on Yahoo, uh, not on ESPN and, um, yeah, just having a ball. Yeah, so when you started, it was actually in the era, though, of having, like, the draft or the thing being calculated online. It wasn't like the old guys that are saying, yeah, you know, I chiseled my uh, roster in stone and I gave it to the pigeon carrier and he <laughs> knocked it over to the dude over there, the truck, Tyrannosaurus or whatever it is. Not quite that, uh, not quite that old, but I, you know, I was a, I was probably right there, like, the first time it was ever all online when you could draft online you didn't have to be in a room with a bunch of dudes uh i was probably one of the first people there playing fantasy football at that point yeah i don't i mean for a guy who has a fantasy football origin story show i keep saying this i don't know for sure when i actually learned fantasy football for instance i'm pretty sure basketball was my first i used to play a baseball rotisserie at some point in time i just recall sitting in math class early in high school printing out these basketball it was like salary cap and me and my buddy mark would print off the salary caps and then we would try to use math of course to figure out like the best possible roster coming up but i can't recall if it was like a online thing or how i, I i'm assuming it was online because we printed them off from the internet but i don't remember the site or any of that stuff my fantasy football life really got heavily into it speaking of why we brought you on the show to talk about some of your days in the podcast production but i really got into it right there near the beginning of the whole podcast world and it kind of took from there um let's go with that let's just let's just dive into it let's go in that delorean let's go to the beginning like when did you get to the point where like you know what i'm gonna get into some kind of industry or how did you lead from your point of conception of the whole being interested in fantasy football to then now talking on the fantasy football origin stories. 
well, not to completely leave uh, that those first days of fantasy, but I was working the overnights at ESPN Radio, uh, and a good portion of that time was all pre-recorded. So I was just sitting there babysitting the tape, which not date myself. I'm sure anybody right now is like, tape? What's tape? Isn't that what you'd use to, you know, keep stuff together? (laughs) Um, So uh, there was nothing else to do other than, you know, troll around on what was an internet back then. And, you know, since I was at ESPN, I was, I played every fantasy sport. It was, I was playing baseball, football, basketball, hockey, Anything and it was all on Yahoo because that I mean my email address is still a Yahoo email address so uh, you know I'm whatever that goes a long way so I was at ESPN Radio and then there was just that day you know into my career when I got called into the office and the boss said we got to do this thing called podcasting and of course the answer was what's a podcast. <laughs> And the response was, we don't know either, but you're going to find out. <laughs> so that was, uh, that, that was the, I was the right guy at the right time at the right place and, um, did my research, figuring out what a podcast was. Adam Curry and Leo Laporte were two OG podcasters. They were the only ones really talking about podcasting in a public sense, um, So it was studying what those guys were doing and trying to figure out how do I take what Leo is doing for tech information, tech news, and apply it to sports. Uh, And it wasn't that difficult, uh, quite honestly, because it was just sort of, you know, let's set up a news segment. Let's set up an email segment. Let's set up an interview segment. Boom. Done. We're golden. We can switch and match these however we want. If we got a big guest, we'll put him first. If we... You know, got a great email. We'll put that for, I don't think we ever did the emails first, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but you know, that was the, that was the whole idea. It was just, you know, let's take everything, narrow cast it to the sport. And, you know, it just happened that fantasy sports at that time was a big priority for ESPN because they had just hired this guy named Matthew Barry. Yeah, and we had him on a previous episode. We talked about some of the whole at the beginning there, and maybe you can shed a light. Like you said, hey, what's this podcasting thing? I mean, we're going from what's this podcasting thing to let's start a fantasy football podcast. I mean, like, what was it like for the buy-in around the maybe not the industry, but just in the general population? Well, you know, it's funny. Hindsight being twenty twenty, I don't think sports podcasters get enough credit for the evolution of the podcasting medium, quite honestly. Um, we were right there, right at day one of podcasting. And I know because I was there. Um, you know, it's a lot of focus gets put on NPR and This American Life, and rightfully so. But ESPN as a company was all in on podcasting. We had a podcast for baseball, for football, for fantasy baseball, for fantasy football, for basketball, for hockey, for college sports, both basketball and football. Um, 
there were a lot of podcasts and one, it felt like a new one kept getting added to my plate almost every day. You know, at one point I was, well, let's put it this way. I had my fingerprints on 27 original podcasts that came from ESPN, whether I was directly the producer or I was in a quote unquote, I'll say an executive producer role, someone sort of overlooking the production process of another one. Uh, and honestly, it was even before podcasting. ESPN was doing online shows, and Fantasy Focus happened to be one of them. And it was hosted by Eric Carabell and um, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Unfortunately, I wish I could. I never worked with him. He left to go to Yahoo, uh, interestingly enough. Um, uh, but that was all online. Um, so it wasn't a podcast because it wasn't a, you know, a, an MP3 file attached to an RSS feed, but it was an online only show. You had to go to ESPN.com to go and listen to this particular program. Uh, and there were a couple of them. There was the, ba- the original Baseball Today podcast was an online only radio show. Uh, and that, you know, evolved into becoming a podcast. So ESPN was all in on podcasting right from the beginning. Uh, From the community standpoint, I think, and especially from a sports and fantasy football standpoint, I think once everyone saw the worldwide leader doing it, they realized they had to do it too. And the audience was enormous. I remember... I mean, one of our earliest jokes on the Fantasy Focus, as we were looking at what were the Apple podcast charts back then, uh, it was called iTunes. I don't know if people know that or not. Uh, Have we reached the point where we've forgotten that it used to be called iTunes? Uh, But when we we used to look at the charts, and they actually meant something, because there weren't many podcasts that existed at that point, uh, we used to compare our audience and where our podcast was to the Jonas Brothers. We're like, oh, the Jonas Brothers are are arch nemesises. They're ahead of us again on the podcast charts, which did ultimately lead to a fantasy focus versus the Jonas Brothers softball game, uh, which is well-documented online. Uh, That's pretty neat. You know, again, the different things that lead, I can only remember – I can't remember if I, I tell the story. I don't know if ESPN Fancy Focus was the first ever podcast or the second because I know I listened to Eric Fisher's productivity show and then Smart Passive Income was the other one too. But I, ESPN was the one I always listened to, like you know, hearing you in my earbuds and stuff like that, and the whole Patriots stuff. I mean, we can talk about that now that I'm a Lions fan, Patriots, <laughs> and the foot's on the other, or what's it called, the shoes on the other foot, or whatever you want to say. But uh, it's just cool to think that for me. Like you said, I I got into it and I heavily remained into it because of sports, particularly for me, specifically fantasy football. But I could just imagine how other Joe Blows out there, I'm a sports guy. Why would I listen to this technology thing for nerds? But then because it's sports, it comes in and then now I'm interested. I'm in the ecosystem and I move on from there. I mean, what was... I mean, was there like a big blitz by ESPN to promote the fact that it was a podcast or or was it more like kind of natural? No. Interestingly enough, there was little to no promotion of the ESPN podcasts 
uh, we fought tooth and nail to get any sort of mention at any point in time, either on radio or on TV. Um, it took a lot to finally get real buy-in um, from the very tippity top of the company to promote the existence of these shows. The beauty was, again, because there wasn't a lot of competition at that point, those four letters carried a lot of weight. And when people were figuring out what podcasting was from meaning listeners, audience members, once they saw ESPN, they would just click on it because it was a brand that they trusted. And that definitely led to the show's quick growth. I mean, we had, you know, 100, 150% year over year growth in those early years, like crazy. It was just, and, and usually I tell people when, when you're given a percentage, be careful because it usually means the real number isn't that sexy. The real number was still pretty sexy. I mean, the, the audience grew really quick, really fast and just continued to grow and grow and grow. Uh, up until when I left ESPN and that was eight years after we had, we'd gotten things started, uh, eight, nine years. I don't know. I'm so old now. I don't numbers mean nothing to me anymore. <laughs> I got to get in that DeLorean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep track of time. Well, I have to have, we'll give you the keys, but I mean, you brought up a good point. ESPN. I know when I first started listening to podcasts and specifically the ESPN, I didn't know who Matthew Barry was. Like that name didn't mean anything to me. Or anybody that was on that artwork, it was specifically because I knew and I trusted ESPN. And then from there, of course, you know, like any other podcast, so I should fall in love with like the show concept or the host or whatever it might be. I mean, what from the early days, you kind of you said, hey, let's have these different segments. But like, can you maybe take the listener back to the war room, I guess you could say of in between of like, how do we take it from this level to the next and some of the Mm, some of your favorite segments we'll, we'll say that like some of your favorite segments and how they came to be well i mean matthew mentioned a lot of this uh during his interview with you but a lot of it was just authentic let's be real you know and matthew really sort of set forth the hey you know to be frank and honest let's let's steal the howard stern you know, design and just everything is on air, warts and all, you know, we're going to make fun of Jay. That's just going to happen. We're going to try and give him a geeky nickname that's going to make him even more geeky and instead ended up being one of the coolest things ever and became part of my brand at this point. Uh, you know, we're going to do all of that sort of stuff. And and really, for me, because I was producing so many of these shows on my own at that point, like I couldn't keep up and keep my attention all on one show for an extended period of time. Inviting the audience to participate and create sounds and send them in um, was as much as part of the success of the show as anything, because it gave the audience ownership of what they were listening to the greatest compliment that we had ever received, especially in the early days was from a, a radio DJ who was renting out one of the studios nearby. And he had to use the studio we were using for the fantasy focus. And so he was hanging out uh, before uh, his time listening to the end of the show. And uh, when they finished, he was like, guys, 
I know nothing about sports. I know nothing about fantasy sports, to say the least. But I could sit and listen to you guys all day long. Like, that's how in, that's how good the chemistry was between Matthew and Nate Ravitz. Uh, those two, obviously, were, were buddies. Matthew brought in Nate to ESPN to help him out. Uh, with the initiative he had on the ES on the dot com side, and I was just the guy there trying to keep everything, you know, keep them in check as best as I could. That's why I was I was the comedy goalie. I was the one that was like, no, that joke goes a little too far. <laughs> we got to protect the brand a little bit here. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, there were all sorts of things. You know, I wouldn't let Matthew get away with you know lazy. I we called it the lazy analyst, you know, well, and Matthew will admit this because he does it. I don't think he does it as much anymore, but he used to, especially in the other day. Well, he's not top 10, but he's top 12. <laughs> I just spent 20 minutes arguing over the value of this player over two spots. I mean, what was, what was that? Um, you know, he used to do that all the time. It was, I can Great. I can hear but, it in my head actually yeah because like when you say that it, 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 I just like I can remember moments of sitting on the lawnmower just hearing that and just <laughs> and they used to be knockout dragouts right Nate Nate would Nate wouldn't let him get away with it Nate would go at him toe to toe and they'd be like you know to the point where I was like whoa are, are things going to get a little too far here and then next thing you know he would say something well he's not top ten but he's top twelve <laughs> like what we just spent. A half an hour talking about the value of this guy, and it's really not that far off, <laughs> right? Uh, th- those used to be those used to be my favorites. Or, um, you know, I think, you know, from an early advertiser standpoint, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the fantasy focus is responsible for everyone drinking Coke Zero uh, anymore. I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say though is a lot of people listen to our podcast and we never had to tell the audience the only way your email was going to get read is if you somehow creatively intertwined in your email the cool, refreshing taste of a Coke Zero. We never said that publicly. And honestly, behind the scenes, we never said it to each other either that, hey, the only emails we're going to read include some sort of reference to Coke Zero. It just happened naturally coke zero was the sponsor of the email segment matthew put his own twist on the copy and for whatever reason that one line of the cool refreshing taste of coke zero made it in almost every single email that ever got read uh during the span of that campaign uh furthermore you know charles schwab comes up and their campaign was meet chuck and so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I incorporate this, you know, money advisor, this financial advisor into the email segment as well as we did with Coke Zero. Uh, and so if their, if their thing is ask Chuck, well, let's get a Chuck. Well, I can't get another person to come in here and pretend that they're Chuck on a daily basis to ask them fantasy questions. But what I can do, is I can pre-record someone, and it did happen to be a gentleman by the name of Chuck who worked at ESPN, <laughs> to record Magic 8-Ball-type answers 
And thus, when they sent in their emails, they not only got the fantasy advice of Matthew Barry and Nate Ravitz, but they got the fantasy advice from Chuck. Chuck would give these answers. And at one point, Chuck got, you know, started to become sentient, like the AI that's starting to take over the world. <laughs> and uh, and Chuck started to throw insults back at Matthew and, and Nate. Matthew, do I need to remind you about the advice you gave about this player the last time? Um, so, yeah, I mean, those were, you know, the stuff that we used to do. You know, Matthew brought up Bonafide Bonifacio. I mean, that was... I wish I knew, and if you're out there and listening to this right now, I wish I knew the gentleman who created the jingle for that. It was so, so good <laughs> um, for Bonafide or Bonifacio, which was a baseball uh, reference. But, um, you know, the concept was created by Matthew and Nate just through their banter going back and forth talking about that particular play, player, Emilio Bonifacio. But the idea of the jingle came from the audience. And again, that was the brilliance of our show, allowing the audience to participate in that manner, giving them ownership. Playing in the man's league, which again was spurned by them picking on me, because they're like, how many players are in your, fa <laughs> in your fantasy baseball <laughs> group? And I was like, yeah, there's only nine of us. <laughs> They were like, that is terrible. That is a diet Soderberg league. Um, you know, and so they're like, you're, next time you're playing in a man's league, which became, you know, a ginormous league, which is what's funny now is everyone plays in ginormous leagues now, um, which I think is great. Uh, but that was, that was all born out of, you know, that was just being authentic, just being ourselves, just going in there, delivering what news and analysis had to be delivered on a daily basis, but just having fun. Um, and I think a lot of times people forget that aspect of what it is that they're doing. Yeah, you're doing a job and you're providing a service and people want the information that you're providing to them. But at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, then what's the point? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm with you. And speaking of just listening to different shows, that's those are the ones that we we not just tune in for, the ones that we continue to subscribe and come back for and everything like that. And you just made – so there was like five follow-up questions. There's probably a million of them that came in my head. But one of them, for some reason, when you listen to that episode with Matthew, what one or two like nostalgic moment memories, you're like, oh, man, I forgot totally about that. That popped in your head when you're having this – you know, listening to it. I can't say, well, I remember all of my moments with the fantasy focus quite fondly. Cause I mean, I would be lying to say that the fantasy focus isn't the reason why I'm in the position that I'm in now being a long time podcast pioneer and helping podcasters from all over with, you know, with podcasting. Um, you know, I mentioned the Jonas brothers softball game. I mean, it's just nuts. You don't, I don't know if there's another podcast out there right now that's planning uh, to play a softball game in a minor league stadium that gets filled with 6,800 uh, screaming teenage girls, which, by the way, the noise of only 6,800 screaming girls, I now understand why these rock stars do what they do. 
Because, I mean, that was amazing when the Jonas Brothers first stepped on the field and the noise that just erupted from the stadium. Um, to which Matthew and I both at the same time had the same idea. It was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> right. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, but. I mean, that's a huge memory. That was a podcast. That wasn't a radio show. That wasn't a TV show. That was three guys that were in, not even in the main broadcasting building at ESPN, in an offshoot building, in a studio hidden away in a deep, dark corner of the building that were just, you know, doing a little fantasy show. And, you know, throwing out a challenge to the Jonas Brothers, who had their own podcast at the time. I wonder if you can still find that on the internet. You must be able to. <laughs> Nothing dies on the internet. Um, and the Jonas Brothers, who had their own podcast, and just, you know, being silly and, like, you know, marking who we had to have battles with. Uh, I remember when I left ESPN and uh, was working at another company – and reaching out to our other arch nemesis at the Muggle Cast, uh, we were always going toe to toe with the Muggle Cast on the charts, um, and that was great. You know, being able to talk to them uh, just about podcasting, not even about you know anything else going on. I mean, you don't hear about that anymore. Nobody, at least I don't. I mean, maybe. You know, are these true crime podcasts going toe to toe with each other, challenging each other to softball games? Like, you know, you know, audio Chuck, we're coming for you. Yeah, that's a pretty, I mean, just general neat story to think of. You were whatever you came into the the world as, like, hey, this is what I want to be when I grow up. It obviously wasn't podcasting because it wasn't a thing when you were going to school and stuff like that. And then, like you said. Because I had this fun little bit of challenging, now I'm playing softball against, I don't know if they were the most popular at the time, but at the time they had to be near the most popular, you know, group out there and everything. So it's just cool. Oh, they were the, they were pretty high up there. They, I mean, they were, they were tops, they were the top Disney guys. Right. I um, mean, they're, they're, which by the way, just happened to be coincidence that they were part of the same company, by the way, we weren't, wasn't, wasn't because of Disney that we we got together with the Jonas brothers. It was all done just by us challenging them. And then I reached out to their people and then their people were like, they're interested. <laughs> and then our ESPN people put the whole thing together and got the stadium. And yeah, it was a fun day. Yeah, that's actually, that was going to ask that what, so Disney did have ESPN even back then. I mean, I don't even know how long ago that was that they purchased ESPN. It was before podcasting. Okay, so it's been a long time. Now, I think I remember I started working at ESPN Radio in 1998, and I believe that's when ABC first took over um, from Getty. Interestingly enough, Getty previously owned ESPN, the oil company, huh. uh, and ABC purchased ESPN from Getty. So what the oil company had purchased them at some point after they had launched, or did they? Or were they the ones that backed the? You don't even know that history, maybe. I I don't know. I don't go that far 
<laughs> ESP, history of ESPN. Uh, you, you, but yeah. you mentioned something that spawned an interest, and now I have a question to ask myself. Maybe I'll ask Chat GPT later on. We'll figure it out. But uh, besides that, you kind of allude to it earlier, like, uh, hey, I got this dorky or whatever. I forgot how you call it, the nickname. I mean, let's talk about that. Like, what was, again, remind the listener of the show the nickname, and like, how did you even get this nickname? So I had been producing the podcast for about a year. And, uh, I, at that point, I suppose ESPN decided, you know, podcasts aren't going away. We're still going to need a producer. Uh, let's promote Jay and, and put him in charge of all the podcasts. He'll be the producer for all the podcasts. So I get the promotion. I get congratulated and it was Nate, Matthew, and another host who shall not be named, uh, who got together and were like, hey, Jay's got this new promotion. We should give him a new title because producer, that doesn't, that doesn't really cover what, what Jay's doing. Um, so th- at first they were going to, they were going to, they said they were going to call me the pod father. Uh, but they decided one, that was too cool. And then two, I told them, well, the pod father is Adam Curry and I'm not going to take Adam Curry's <laughs> title away from him. Uh, and so then they were like, well, you know, we're not going to call you um, anything that could be cool. Let's think of something geeky. Uh, Star Wars. You like that Star Wars stuff. You know what? And you're evil. So we're going to call you Pod Vader. Pod Vader is your new nickname. From this point forward, you'll be known as Pod Vader. And I was like, you know what? Not only am I not going to run away from it, I'm going to embrace it. I, You know what? You want to call me Pod Vader? Go right ahead. I am Pod Vader. I am a dark Sith of the pod. Uh, and from that point on, like anything to do with podcasting and Star Wars and, you know, that's, that's my brand. That's Pod Vader. It's so funny that you mentioned that <laughs> you're leaning into it because I couldn't even remember what your real name was for the longest time. I just knew Pod Vader from Fantasy Focus. <laughs> you know, then it, it can. Well, it's true. I, I go, when I go to conferences, you know, and I introduce myself where they see my badge and it says Jay Soderberg. They're, they're like, oh, hi, how are you? And, you know, and then and then I'm like, yeah, you might know me better as Pod Vader. And all of a sudden there'll be like, lights, like oh, my God, <laughs> you're the guy from ESPN. I used to listen to you all the time. It's, like, it's really funny when when that when that happens, like that, like doesn't nobody knows who Jay Soderberg is. But if you ask him about Pod Vader, he still has some. uh a little bit of fame to him. Yeah, yeah, some clout and some nostalgia. Like I said, I mean, I could just go back. I can remember sitting the the lawnmower I used to cut, you know, in orange shorts, listening to Pod Vader and Matthew Berry have at it, going after each other and stuff. And of course, I always remember the Patriots takes. I for some reason, I mean, even back then they were starting to win all the championships. I mean, we'll uh, not have that discussion today. We can listen to episode ninety three of the Football History Dude if you want to talk about. Jay and his son or whatever, you know, never knowing a losing season. I don't, something like that. I just remember that conversation we had. He knows losing seasons now. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the real world, bro. Um, so as we kind of, you know, transition into the whole getting the DeLorean and heading into the future, just fantasy football in general. I mean, are you, are you a major player still, or is it something that you don't have as much time for? Or, or do you have leagues that are ongoing for a while? Oh yeah, I'm still I'm still playing. I still have 
way too many leagues every year. Every year I'm like, I'm going to get rid of a league and somehow I end up getting a new one. Um, you know, I'll be participating in the Scott Fish Bowl again uh, this upcoming season. Uh, I've, uh, you know, we've maintained kind of a loose string uh, with some former Man's League participants. Uh, we have a, a a little a little league. Um, it's shrunk over the years, but uh, there's still a number of us that get together uh, to have a to have a go uh, every season. Um, there's a few others. I've definitely I've gotten into DFS now, um, so I do play uh, daily football. I am not good at daily football for some reason. I, I, I'm still killing it. I will say I still place really well, uh, in all my, you know, season long leagues, but for whatever reason on a, on a week to week basis, I cannot for the life of me pick the top scoring team at all, (laughs) not even close. And I'll use every single analytic. I'll use every single, uh, you know, cheat code out there to try and figure it out just doesn't happen for me like maybe one day but uh that day has yet to come maybe now with the ai stuff maybe i'll be able to do a little bit better (laughs) well maybe you can again so hop in my delorean go steal that gray's almanac in the future and that's a question that i like to kind of nearly close it out with is whether it's five or 20 years i'm not gonna get hung up on the amount of years but let's go in the future and either answer the question what would you like to see in the fantasy football landscape, maybe differences, new features, or what do you think will happen that maybe we don't expect? I think there will be a bigger move towards DFS um, than season-long leagues. Uh, I think more and more people are going to end up playing DFS uh, than ever before. Um, and I think a lot of that will be spurned by, you know, the, the legal, legalized gambling that's, uh, happening state by state and, you know, spreading across country. Eventually, I think every state will end up having legalized gambling. So that will only grow that particular aspect, uh, moving forward. Uh, I think there's some great, you know, I, you know, I don't play best ball, but I understand it and I, you know, and and I like watching the evolution of the game, the different variations. Um, I know more and more people are getting into IDP. Again, I think there's a lot of luck involved when it comes to IDP. Um, but, you know, again, to each their own. Uh, the, I just think if you're, if you're a football fan, there's enough variation in the game that you can find a fantasy league that fits you and what you enjoy watching about football. And I think even if you're not a football fan, uh, it's still basic enough. There's still enough basic leagues out there that can get you into the game and get you into the sport. The one thing that I do believe is changing sports fandom, and it might be for the worse, is with more and more kids growing up with fantasy football and learning to cheer for players Mm. rather than teams, I think we're getting more of a fandom of specific players rather than 
people like me who are allegiant to the Patriots no matter what. I was there when they sucked before. I was there through the years when they never lost, uh, you know, a game. And I'm here again as they suck again. Oh no, we suck again. <laughs> um, you know, but that's me. I don't know if my son's children will grow up that way. I, I hope they do because they're going to grow up with grandpa and my, my son has pretty much maintained his allegiances, but even my own son was developing allegiances to teams based on the players that he saw in video games. And, you know, I think as, like I said, as more and more kids start getting into fantasy football, I think there's going to be, we're going to see more and more allegiances to players, specific players rather than to specific teams. It's a really good perspective. I didn't, necessarily think about it from the aspect of like how it will wreck fandom but yeah i mean teams need to continue to rebrand themselves because i know myself so i'm a diehard lions fan but naturally i turned into a colts fan for a while then a broncos fan as a side because of my love for peyton man i mean my cat down here is nick is named after peyton manning after they won the super bowl so it's like I even at my generation and playing video games and things like that. But then, yeah, I could see hmm, things totally shifting. I wonder how like the collective bargainings will go in the future and stuff like that because of they have so much more weight as the players versus just the brands of the teams. And that's getting beyond fantasy football, I suppose. But as we get. Yeah, you're starting to <laughs> you're starting to introduce me to the realm of articles that I've been reading today about uh licensing rights and uh right. and how tv deals are are starting to struggle and how it might change the sport as more and more people go to a subscription-based streaming platform but that is a completely different oh story. man yeah that's that's we could have a whole podcast on that stuff alone i'm not at that level of being able to understand but i could see where it would it can make a huge difference in things as far as the business side of it um speaking of business side so now this is how we'll leave us leave us out there Give uh, fantasy football a lens, of course, because that's the show. But to the listener of the, sh- the the episode that's looking at maybe jumping into a new realm, of course, I'm going to talk about fantasy football. But through the lens of someone that said, you know what, let's try this new podcast thing. Like, what would you recommend to somebody that wants to just do something in the fantasy football space? From a podcasting perspective? It doesn't have to be podcasting, but someone that's sitting there going, only reason why I said you and podcasting was because you said what's this podcast this thing okay let's try it and like just somebody that says i'm just a regular joe blow i love fantasy football but i want to somehow break into the industry like i like to leave a little bit of words of wisdom for the listener in that regard i think you know the 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 main thing that i've always maintained is you have to you have to be authentic you can't you can't fake it don't try to be the next matthew berry try to be the first you um, it, that sounds a little cliche, but it really is. It, it is true. Be your authentic self, uh, and your passion will shine through, you know, anything that you end up doing, whether it's a podcast, writing, broadcasting, television, hosting, whatever it is. If you're not your authentic self, the audience can smell that stuff from a mile away and they'll either embrace the fact that you're inauthentic or, or they will spurn you. And they will not, you will not build an audience. If you're your authentic self, though, the audience that you gain will embrace you. 
uh, you will become emboldened uh, onto them. You, the, again, one of the best compliments you can get from any type of content creation is, I'm not a fan of this particular thing, but what you do makes me very interested in what you're talking about. You know, the other one is listening to a podcast should be like sitting down at the sports bar and listening to a couple of people just chatting about something that is so interesting that you can't help but stop. You can't help but continue to eavesdrop in on that conversation. Like you just can't stop. It's too interesting. Uh, those are the things as you're looking to break in. And then the other thing I would, I would say is look at what's missing. Like when you're, when you're looking for something to read or listen to or watch on television and you don't see what you're looking for, create it, do it yourself. You know, I think that's the beauty of what we have in podcasting is that if it doesn't exist, you can create it. Now, unfortunately, I think in fantasy football and in podcasting, it probably exists. But uh, but if it doesn't, and, it, and it's something that you believe is truly missing, if you're your authentic self and you create something to fill that hole, or you find somebody to work with that can help you fill that hole, um, then do it. But you gotta you gotta be all in. You you can't do it sort of halfway. You gotta if you see it and you want it, you gotta go all the way. Um, if you are holding back in any sort of way, you're not going to achieve your goal. You have to fully embrace and believe in yourself. Interesting, I say that as I'm wearing a Ted Lasso T-shirt that says "Believe" on it, uh, and believe in yourself and bet on yourself. You know. I've said this to people a million times, you know, I can, I can work at any job whatsoever. At the end of the day, I know I'm going to be successful because I'm going to bet on myself 10 times out of 10. Um, there's n I, and do I have self doubt? Of course I do. But I know that if I'm assigned a task that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that task done. And if I can't, get the task done by myself, I know I'm going to seek out the assistance I need to find the answers to get the task done. So just be, be flexible, be your authentic self and believe in yourself. There you go. Be flexible, be your authentic self and believe in yourself. Sounds like a bumper sticker or maybe a poster you'd see hanging on the wall. But again, Awesome words of wisdom. It's kind of funny coming from a dude named Pod Vader because it was almost those very things that helped Luke use the force to fly that X-Wing fighter down that tunnel and make that impossible shot to destroy the Death Star. But Pod Vader, <clears throat> I mean Vader, you know, not Pod Vader himself, escaped, destined to search the galaxy for Luke. Just like we're always looking for that diamond in the rough. Find that guy in the seventh round that's going to be a top 12 running back this year. Who will it be? I don't know. If you know, why don't you send him my way? And to do that, including anywhere else to be able to get in touch with the Fantasy Football Origin Stories, head to FantasyFootballOriginStories.com. And if you like this show, 
Again, you got to make sure you share it with at least one friend. But next week, we're going to go from the OG of sports podcasting to someone that really, for lack of better, he's like a baby, just learned about fantasy football really not that long ago. But he is making huge waves in advanced analytics and how we look at the sport. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Football Origin Stories. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please make sure to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player of choice, then head over to the website for the show notes and more Fantasy Football Origin Stories. That's at FantasyFootballOriginStories.com. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs>